Welcome to the Really Useful Podcast, the uh, podcast for technophobes. That's right, isn't it? Is that, is that what we call yeah. it? It's been a few weeks. We've uh, had some time off. We didn't get cancelled or anything like that. We just uh, factored in a a break. Yeah, you know, a little rest. A little rest to keep things fresh. So that's that's basically what's been happening. Um, I'm Christian Colley. With me is Ben Stegner. You've just heard that. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. It's been a while, so I'm glad to be back for another episode and... Uh catch up on all the exciting happenings totally, that we yeah. missed over the past few weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, we have missed a few things. Um, is uh, I was going to say if there's anything particular that you wanted to talk about that uh, has maybe uh, just come up lately. I've noticed this evening, I've had an email from Flipboard, and they tell me that they've had a security breach. You know what? I saw a headline about that a couple of days ago. I didn't right. look into it, but... I think I want to say Flipboard was built into Samsung Android phones for a while. Like I don't yeah, know if it was built it in, was. but it was like heavily featured. So I bet yeah. that'll affect a lot of people. Yeah, I don't think I'm I've ever sure used it, it myself. My, I think it was in my S2 tab. So hopefully um, that's yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I used it before that, before it got incorporated into tabs. So in the tablets, uh, when it was like a freestanding app. Um, but uh, yeah, it has been around for a while, yeah. So um, anyway, we're uh, we're going to move on. We have a, a packed show for you this week. We are the tech podcast for technophobes, which is what I was grasping for earlier. And in this week's show, we're going to be looking at a, a handful of recent news topics, and we're going to be looking at uh, some more uh, general Windows. And it, there's a bit of a gaming feel to this week's. There is uh, a useful podcast. Um, before we get to that, we're going to be um, talking about some uh, developments with uh, Minecraft. We're going to be talking about Mark Zuckerberg's, Zuckerberg's podcast that he's launched. And we're going to look at whether game addiction is real or not. Uh, we're also going to be taking a look at uh, Windows 10 programs that you should uninstall. Uh, what it takes to switch from console gaming to PC gaming, and we'll also have a look at those video games' ratings and what they really mean and whether they're relevant or whether you can ignore them. I don't think you should ignore them, but uh, we'll find out in a short while. (laughs) Exactly, they are there for a reason. So, developments in the world of Minecraft. Minecraft itself is uh, 10 years old. That's hard to believe. It isn't it just, yeah. Uh, I was just the other day, I was in the shop, and... Um, my son wanted some Minecraft Lego with his pocket money, but he only had six pounds pocket money, and Minecraft Lego was twelve pounds. So I always it. think that like once you start seeing a game, like they're selling shirts and merchandise of it in like regular department stores, that's how you know a game has really hit it <laughs> big totally. time. Totally, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my little boy's got. There's, I mean, there's a Minecraft book just over there on the sofa that he's been reading lately that he's had for a while. He's been playing Minecraft itself longer than he's had the book, but I had a feeling <laughs> being adept at Lego and some basic Lego games when he was younger that he would grow to like Minecraft. And now he's he's reading at the right level for this Minecraft manual that he's got. So he's been okay. flicking through that uh, for the past few days and finding out a load of new tricks and building tips and everything. So, you know, he's, he's eight uh, in later this month, and he's absolutely obsessed by Lego and Minecraft and Star Wars. So yeah, it all kind of fits together. <laughs> yeah, there's like a Star Wars. So the Minecraft Classic has been announced. Um, it's been free to play for a long time, but now you can play it in your browser. It is a very low-fi version of Minecraft, and um, I mean you can play Minecraft on pretty much any device now 
from Android phones to consoles to older consoles. So you can even play it on the on the Raspberry Pi. It's packaged in the Raspberry Pi. It's um it's everywhere, it is, literally, yeah. and now it's in your browser. You, you, there is no escaping Minecraft. And it's kind of like a nostalgia trip, too, because if you don't know, Minecraft has evolved quite a bit since it was initially released. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's been ported to all the consoles and it's had all kinds of new features and extra content and new materials and stuff. So this is the classic version if you ever wanted to experience what it was like when it was a new indie game that was relatively unknown. It seems like they're trying to just keep like they even said they leave all the bugs in in this version. So it's the good old Minecraft that you might miss. Absolutely, and also, I mean, I did say Minecraft is now everywhere because there's more Minecraft news, isn't there? Because um, coming soon is Minecraft Earth. This could be big. It's This is, take Minecraft and then take Pokemon Go and merge them together, and that's pretty much what you've got with Minecraft Earth. I mean, the trailer's jaw-dropping, really. It's not, not only in what it's promising, but also in its confidence. Yeah, I think because... I think now that it's we're a couple years out from Pokemon Go, I think that when that came out, a lot of people were like, oh, you're going to be able to you know, walk around and catch Pokemon. And I think it was kind of underwhelming when it first came out. I mean, I think people were so excited that you were finally going to be able to be a Pokemon trainer that that kind of yeah. ironed out the bumps. But I think a couple years later, to have this is, is pretty neat. Um, I think it'll go well with Minecraft. And like we said, I mean, everyone loves Minecraft, you know, like kids are super into it. So I think this, this could be the next Pokemon go like phenomenon. Yeah. Um, so Minecraft earth basically places elements of Minecraft in the real world around you. You can check on with, with phones and tablets outdoors using augmented reality. And I mean, the, the, you've got to check out the trailer because the trailer is really, really good. And You've got you've got the Minecraft on one hand, you've got the augmented reality on the other hand, and then just think about this. In the background, you've got Microsoft's pretty much unparalleled ability at um, you know data warehousing. Right, right. And the, the whole database is going to be driving all of this. Like, this could be the biggest game out there. That is within, true. I... You know, within months. I didn't think about the fact that like having Microsoft behind it compared to like mm. Pokemon Go that just has like a game development company. I didn't think about that. Yeah, this. I mean, it could. I mean, it, it might not happen, but it. You know, the potential is there for this to be the biggest game ever. Even, you know, if something Minecraft popular as it is, you know, as I mentioned, Lego games, uh, boxes on virtually every platform going, Minecraft Earth on any pretty much any phone or. Well, it won't be any phone or tablet. Well, it'll be the most recent versions of iPhone and Android. But yeah, sure. this could be huge. This could be huge. And being able to play Minecraft in real life wherever you go is totally. quite the draw. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, I mean, it's, there's got to be this the inevitable console VR version, isn't there? Uh, yeah, I would think, but how would that really work? Because it wouldn't use the real world. Oh, I mean, just plain old Minecraft in VR, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I think it meant yeah. the augmented version of VR. Yeah, I think that would be a natural well, that, progression. Although I like that idea now as well, actually. It's, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a Minecraft feature. Forget forget everything else, it's Minecraft. Um, do you know, I've, um, I've, 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 I mean, I have no idea how long this game, how much this game's going to cost, but if it's on mobile, it's probably going to be either affordable or free with advertising or whatever. Sure. But, uh, I um, have for a long time, and I, I did did warn you at the beginning, um, dear listener, that there might be a bit of video game talk in this edition 
of a really useful podcast because you know video games is huge right. and they're not for everyone but there's all types of different games on different platforms i've been playing red dead redemption since december i think and i'm only 60 percent through it through the story and or through like everything red dead, uh, red dead redemption 2 big pardon through the story and okay. I've, I've you know i've done my fair bit of hunting in in, in exploring and things and failing in many ways uh, I have only found one set of dinosaur bones um, but you know Red Dead Redemption 2 was uh, a present, it set my wife back what, 50, 45, 50 quid and it's obviously an argument against spending that amount of money on a game when you know it's probably sort of a night at the cinema right. with a bit of food thrown in but at the same time it's lasted me seven months so far with that, yeah, that's. I think that. I, I think a lot of the time, like I think a lot of people when they look for a game review now, there's almost too much emphasis on that, like how much content you get for the price. Because I'd rather have a game that's ten hours, that's really fun for ten hours, than a game that's mm-hmm. drawn out. I'm not saying Red Dead's drawn out, but you know, those like some of the Assassin's Creed games fall into that, where it's just like copy and paste missions and stuff. So I think that just looking at price to value can be hard, but I mean, I feel the same way about like multiplayer games I've bought. I haven't been playing overwatch as much, but I mean, I bought it two and a half year, three years ago and yeah. I'm still playing it years later, you know, and that's a pretty good value. Sure. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a shame. They, there isn't a better pricing around longevity for games. I think. I think, well, I think, I mean, they've kind of like, I guess a lot of the old models, like for the developer to make more money kind of went away because you have like the old subscription model like World of Warcraft uses where you just yeah. pay every month. But then the, even the model, like even I don't know if you saw the new Call of Duty was announced recently and there even Call of Duty is getting rid of the like season pass model, which was right. the old like where you paid for everything up front and you got like four or five DLC packs. It seems like more and more games are going towards the all the DLCs free, but there's just loot boxes and all that in there. So yeah, um, I mean, Guild Wars kind of killed that for World of Warcraft, didn't they, by bringing out kind of sort of like games every sort of 18 months and new sort of uh, packages every 18 months that you pay for. Um, and then I wrote I, years ago when I was um, a, a fledgling tech writer, I was writing uh, RPG guides and I did a couple for Star Wars The Old Republic and I did one for a game called Terror. Terraria? Yeah. The like 2D kind of. No, not of... that one. No, no, no. Oh. The, the, the 3D one. Um, uh, what's it called? The. Uh, I can't remember what the acronym stands for now. It was a Japanese game that was. It was of oh, Korean. It was, it was out in the Far East a long time before it came out. About 18 months or a year before it came out in the West. Okay. Um, T-E-R-A. T E R A. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think I've. I definitely haven't played it, but I may have heard of it. Okay. Yeah. Well, this was, yeah, that was free as well. Okay. I think it went free very early on and it's still going now. Um, yeah, it's very yeah, it's very fantastical, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a good gaming experience. Bit of grinding, but you know, you get that with the uh, MORPGs. So yeah. Um, longevity. It's a, it's a difficult thing with video games. Um, well, look, let's move away from video games for a short time. Everything we talk about, as ever, um, Mr. or Miss Listener, we will uh, provide for you in the show notes. 
Um, so sure. you can just um, click in there, visit. Uh, the majority of things will take you to makeusoft.com because we're um, we, we're hosted at Makeusoft. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the man who knows everything about you, more than you want to admit, <laughs> <laughs> um, has launched a podcast called Tech and Society, which features Zuckerberg exploring the effects technology is having on society, or a cynic might say, Zuckerberg excitedly exploring the effects his technology is having on us and dollar signs whizzing around right. in his eyes as yeah, he learns like, more and more and more as he needs more of those yeah um it's um sees this facebook ceo in conversation with experts in various fields to do with technology and society and the intersections um, and it's related to Zuckerberg's personal challenge for 2019, which was to host a series of public discussions about the future of technology in society, opportunities, challenges, hopes, and anxieties. Uh, hmm. I'm probably going to find myself uh, listening to this to find out how, in- how interesting it might be. I don't think this is for everyone. Um, and I, I do feel it's maybe more for Mark Zuckerberg than it is for anyone else. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think like like you read, it says like he I've I don't really follow him, but I know that he does those like personal challenges where every year he's like wants to read X number of books or learn a new yeah. language or whatever. So I think it's kind of like it seems kind of like more of an experiment for him to do something with it in this year than like uh, putting content out there for people to learn from or whatever. Um, I don't know. I think I mean, I haven't listened to it. I think it could be an interesting from like a listener perspective, because the only time I've ever really seen him is like with the, the court hearings when we were having here in the U.S. a couple months sure. ago. Yeah. But, you know, the infamous where he was like a lizard or whatever, but it was joking that he was like not very personable. So I guess it would be interesting to kind of hear him talk from less of a like like in court where everyone's looking yeah, at you say, I mean, the, 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 it, it can't be difficult in that situation can it regardless right. of what sort of character you are right because he's I mean, everyone's looking at you and i'm sure it's yeah it's, it's uncomfortable so it could yeah. be interesting but yeah i think the subject matter might be i mean if you're someone that's interested in like sociology or you know, obviously tech has really shaped culture which i think is interesting but i don't know if he's someone i want to listen to talk about it all the time <laughs> yeah sure you know, um, this conversation, um, we'll put the link to this um, so you can uh, check out Zuckerberg's uh, discussions. And, you know, I mean, it looks like it's going to run on for a while. So there's, there's going to be some, in, you know, it's, it, there is some interest there for, for anyone, especially if you're interested in Zuckerberg or interested in the effect of social media and the intersection of tech and society, which is what this is all about. But, um, you know, big names in technology. Mark Zuckerberg is one. Jimmy Wales is another one. Um and this, as we record this, the president of the USA is in the UK and half of social media is apoplectic over <laughs> the indignity of having invited someone that they don't like to the UK. Um, where I am in the UK, um, there's been a little spat between um, the president of the USA and the mayor of London, um, which has been going on for some time now. And they kind of like sporadically insult each other on Twitter. Um now, from where, from you know this part of the world, which is very kind of um, away from the cities, um, just you know post-industrial area. Sure. Um, the, the the general feeling is they're both complete fools, for want of a better word. You know, so, uh, it's um it is interesting how things get skewed by the media. Um, you know, like ten years ago, we didn't have Twitter. We didn't have this Twitter. Um, I. 
you know, social media is shaped, and you know, we can give um, a, a, a big um, deal of this can be a responsibility for this can be put in Mark Zuckerberg's direction. Um, you know, social media is totally skewed how we interpret the news and our, our conversation about the news and current affairs, hasn't it? Yeah, I think I've been listening to different podcasts and things that have talked about this lately, how I think one of the things I've, I've tended to notice and even people looking back at like historical figures a lot of the time, there's really this like – I don't know if social media has probably contributed to this. Like people, we see people a lot of time as like a holy saint or like the worst devil ever, you know, like when there's yeah. someone, it's like if they did one bad thing, it's like they're horrible, evil, nat. like instead of looking at people as like complicated beings who maybe they have good and bad, you know, like even people, if we look back at history that we revere as heroes, I mean, they weren't perfect people, obviously, because no, no. no one is. So, but I think social media has kind of contributed to that because there's a lot of this, you know, us versus them. And it's like, oh, if you see a tweet from someone, you can put them into the category of, oh, they don't agree with me. So they're evil or yeah, they're on my yeah. side. So I like them, which I think that polarization we're looking, it's affecting us looking back and probably looking forward to. It's probably, a, I'm, I imagine there's a degree of the uh, lack of um, body language and nonverbal communication taken as, as possibly part of this. But I did mention Jimmy Wells earlier because he um, tweeted that he was leaving the country. Apparently he was in the UK. I didn't know this. Um, he was leaving the country while Donald Trump was in the UK, which yeah, seems a bit extreme. Um, he just coincidentally booked his holiday at the same time. Oh. Um, who knows? Who knows? Uh, now then, let's let's move on. Video game addiction is real, says the World Health Organization. They've officially declared video game addiction as a disease. Hmm. So uh, if you feel like you or somebody you knows no plays video games for too long and too often, then uh, there could be it. You know, there's a recognised medical disorder that uh, that covers you. It's uh, my word, the International Classification of Diseases. I haven't seen that for a long time. That's like a multi-volume collection. If this yeah. is like each volume yes. is like this thick. Some light reading. Yeah, yeah so when, you're, yeah. when you need to fall um, asleep. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah, gaming disorder has been included for the first time in the ICD-11. Um, what do you think of this? Well, I'm... I'm You've been gaming a lot. Yeah, I, I like to play games, so I... Um, I try not to like approach something like this and just be like, Oh, it's nonsense. Um, cause I'm, I'm interested in it. Um, yeah, I think, I think one of the things that I would find interesting about the people to ask if I could about the people that decided this, I wonder how much like the changing of the landscape of what games are and what they offer has affected this. Like we were just talking about, yeah. I think, I think we've talked about this on past episodes too. Like in the past, when games were shorter and, or really, really difficult because they were short, you know, back, back in the NES days, it was probably harder to get addicted to games because, you know, you couldn't beat, you tried 10 times, you couldn't beat the level, so you just gave up. Whereas now, you know, multiplayer online never ends. There's like game, huge games you can play for 100 hours and not even see everything in. So I'm curious. I mean, obviously, I would think that would affect it, but I'm wondering how they like drew the line. Like it's finally time to define this. Um, I guess my worry, I mean, it says there's like specific language here. Um, you give priority to gaming to the extent that yeah. it takes precedence over other life interests. I mean, I've never had an issue with that. Um, so I, my only worry would be that it's not like, oh, you're addicted to games because you played for whatever on a Saturday or whatever. I would just hope that they wouldn't 
misclassify people. But yeah, I think it can, I mean, like anything else, if it keeps you from eating or seeing people or doing yeah. your job, yeah. it's pretty serious. I think, yeah, I think any, it doesn't have to be, I mean, addiction can come in many different forms. And, you know, I mean, I've probably been addicted to some games in the past rather than it being a, a general video game addiction. Um, you know, there was a time when, so 20 odd years ago, I would play nothing but Championship Manager, uh, which is a, a soccer management game, uh, which is now called Football Manager. Uh, you know, I'd play that constantly. But, you know, not long before that, I would absolutely have hammered a game on the Amiga called K240, which was a space asteroid mining strategy game. Okay. Before that, I played Civilization 2 to absolute death you know it's there's I, th- I think it's a tricky one isn't it i think mean, there's, there's got to be moderation in everything that you do hasn't you're there? right and, you know if there's if you if you speaking of someone who's had periods of life where i'm not really wanting to engage with the outside world I, i'm not sure if it's video games are addicting i think maybe they give an excuse in many cases to that, yeah. avoid in contact. I think something else too, like you always see these like my memes or whatever, where people are like, you know, you tell me that I'm playing that I like the playing games is bad where, you know, you like to watch Netflix or whatever. So I mean, I, I, it can really be anything. I think, yeah. that, you know, not going out for weeks cause you're watching too many shows or whatever is, is pretty similar. But yeah. I think that, I think it, it's probably easier to use playing a game as an excuse to not do whatever social activity than some other stuff, maybe. Yeah, I agree. And I've, I agree. I, I wrote, I wrote a post a couple months ago about ways that games are addicting. Um, won't get too into it, but I mean, I just talked about how like games have feedback loops, you know, so when you accomplish something, it makes you feel good and you want to accomplish more. Sure. Um, you know, and like the other stuff we talked about how multiplayer games just go on. And so, yeah, I think, and I think a lot of that is how games have grown. So, I think it's like anything. It's it's people with certain personalities are probably more prone to any kind of addiction than others. Um, yeah, some yeah. people never have a problem with it. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, you know, a few years ago, I was a a a, a, a very passionate Doctor Who fan. Whereas these days, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. So now I'm kind of a very passionate fan of my children. I suppose that's right. supplanted, supplanted that one. So, uh, yeah, um, we'll move on. We're going to um, give you some useful tips now on uh, Windows 10. Ben, you, you're uh, you're the brains behind this one. I did. I uh, put an update <laughs> into this one recently. So, yeah, so uh, I won't go through them all, of course, because that's too long. But uh, basically, there are uh, some programs, uh, Windows programs, some of them are pre-installed. Other ones are just popular apps that, you might have installed just because you figured that you need them or because a friend told you about it or whatever. Um, but you really don't need them. Some are just unnecessary and some are more dangerous or outdated. Um, I'll hit a couple of the highlights here. Um, one of them is, is Apple's QuickTime. Um, if you have iTunes on, if you have an iPhone, you probably have iTunes on your computer and I don't think they do it anymore, but for a while, if you installed iTunes, it came with QuickTime to play videos uh, Apple doesn't update QuickTime anymore for Windows, so it's totally unnecessary. And because it's old, I think there was a known problem with it. 
and then when they stopped updating it. So that could result in some issues. Um, or some of the other big ones here. A lot, a lot of them are uh, plugins, browser plugins that you yeah. don't need anymore. Um, we've talked about Java in the past. You used to need Java and Shockwave Player and even Flash because every website you visited had content that used them. But now Java and Chrome hasn't supported Java for years. So if you have it, that you're really going to be hard pressed to find anything that needs it. So you can get rid of those too. Microsoft Silverlight's another one. Um, yeah, so there's just I think there's a lot of programs that like people just get used to installing that you are really not necessary anymore. Yeah, there's, a, there's, there's a few that kind of lost their their reputation. Now. That's right. CCleaner is one of those. Like uTorrent and CCleaner, yeah. Right, uTorrent used to be like a slim way to download torrents, and now it's just filled with ads and garbage. That yeah. there's just so many better alternatives. I was um, amazed to see Shockwave in there. I'd forgotten about Shockwave. You know, I think just um, just when I was updating this, they announced that it was discontinued or they right. that was the date that it was discontinued because you could still download it up until like last month. I mean, I think Shockwave. I mean, that's I don't think any site used that in the past five or ten years. Oh. No, that's uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, one of those blasts from the past. It's like seeing the words Netscape Navigator. <laughs> I remember in I think in ninth grade. We had, in parts part of computer class, we learned Adobe Fireworks, which was like a super... Is that the animation thing? Yeah, like a super water... I don't want to say watered down, but it kind of like Flash, but more simplified, I guess. I don't think that's right. around anymore either. Okay. So, so I remember uh, when it was called Macromedia Shockwave Flare. Great list there from Ben. Uh, again, um, the details of that will be in the show notes. Now then, we've um, we we have been quite clear that there's a bit of video game talk in this episode of the really useful podcast, and uh, I, I was quite interested to see this one again. It's by Ben of um, switching from console gaming to PC gaming. Okay, Not, so go on, break it down for me then. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, so I wrote this guide is basically if you're someone who mainly plays on consoles. Um, and you're thinking about playing on PC instead, kind of the things that you might need to know or keep in mind. Um, there's a lot of them here. So again, check the notes if you want to read the full article. But pretty much playing on PC boils down to the fact that you have more control. You have more options. Um, instead of just the controller that your system comes with, you can use keyboard and mouse. You can connect a controller, um, whatever the game that you're playing uh, best fits with. You can, can even connect like an arcade stick. Um, you get to build your own computer. So if you want to build a super powerful computer that runs everything in max settings, you can. If you want to build a cheap computer that just plays a couple of games that you like, uh, the, the basics, that's totally fine too. Um, you get to pick what kind of graphics you want. So most console games, you're pretty much set at what the console can do. PC, you can tweak and change the lighting and shader effects and all that kind of thing. Um, it's all about choice. Like I said, you have, you have more places to find games. You'll find way more sales on different sites and bundles like yeah. the Humble Bundle. That Sometimes Humble Bundle, they offer uh, sales for for console games. But They've got, yeah. they've got a um, offer on this week for World War II games. Um, it would be the anniversary of D-Day. Oh, yeah, okay. They've they just announced that. Um, what, what's the best thing in your mind about PC gaming? What do you think is the best thing about PC gaming? Um, I prefer, myself, I, I wrote this kind of like informational. I prefer, I've always been a console person just because of simplicity. But I mean, I think the best, there's definitely a lot of benefits. Um, I think one of the biggest ones, because I've noticed this, is 
like the backwards compatibility um, aspect where like if you buy a game, let's say you buy whatever Fallout 3 and you have it on Xbox 360 and then you want to play Fallout 3 in a couple years like down the road. If your Xbox 360 isn't connected to your TV, you have to get it out and do all that because it's not on new systems. Whereas on PC, in most cases, if you own a game, it'll just work on yeah. new hardware. I mean, sometimes you have to d- install a fix or whatever, but um, you don't have to like like your 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 computer is just all your games are there, and for the most part, they work. You don't have to like get out old consoles to play old games. I sure. think that's a big benefit. Um, and if you're interested, like mods and things like that, that's that's so much better on PC, of course. Games that really lend themselves well to like user mods, that's pretty much non-existent on console in most cases. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think my favorite, though, is probably streaming. That's true. A lot easier I, th- I think, yeah, I mean, you know, Kerry, we've got the Xbox there for, for a reason of there being something weird with Xbox Live a few months ago, we detached the TV from the back of the Xbox, so the TV box doesn't go through the Xbox anymore. But regardless, I mean, I mean, the the great thing about that is that now Kerry can watch the TV, and I can sit here with my headphones on, streaming Red Dead Redemption Two or whatever game I want to play to my laptop, right yeah, here. We're in the same slick. room gaming, and yeah, it's cool. And and then you've got the the other side of the stream, and you've got um. You got Steam streaming as well, right? Um, streaming to you know any device around the house. So I think I think PC gaming is just edging it there for me. I think, but yeah, like you say, the the, the libraries are just completely different kettle of fish. It is, yeah. And of course, most of what I wrote when I talked about switching from a console that mostly applies to PlayStation and Xbox because Nintendo is a whole different. Sure. Yeah, because um, you, you, you're not, I mean, the Switch obviously doesn't compete with the other two systems on power. Um, and while a good number of like both indie and AAA games on the consoles are on PC, Nintendo games are only on the, on the Switch or the yeah. 3DS or whatever. So that's kind of yeah. different. But yeah, I think there's huge benefits to both. I prefer playing on a console most of the time, but there's great things about PC for sure. Okay. Uh, video game ratings then. They've um, with the gaming. <laughs> yep, um, they, they've been around for a while. Game ratings, and um, they, they they aim to do the same thing as cinematic ratings. So you wouldn't take your kids to see an R-rated movie in the US, would you? Oh yeah, R's the highest. That's right. Yeah, see, we wouldn't do that, right? Yeah, in the UK we have 18, and I think I don't think we have X anymore. But I might be wrong about that. But 18, you have, obviously, you have to be an adult to go and see um, that film. Um, and you know, there's there's ratings for, for 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 video games, which are more numerical these days than they used to be. Um, here in the UK, we have um, Peggy, which is Pan European Game Information. Uh, you know, in the USA, you have ESRB, Entertainment right. Software Rating Board, which also covers Canada and Mexico. Um, what was? I mean, there's there's obviously different takes on this and. I think there is probably a degree of this which is, comes down to the child and parental responsibility and parents knowing their child better than maybe um, a, a faceless body 
slapping labels on sure on, on video games. Well, I mean, what, what, what's your take on this? Because you've you've done the reading in reading up on this, and you've you've done the research and presented it in a in a uh, manner of uh, oh my word, bubble guppies. Um, in a manner that is it, I mean, do you, what, what do you think of ratings? Well, I find uh, overall, I for some reason I don't know why this is. I'm, I can't really give a reason, but I find like everything about like ratings and like censorship, like all that stuff together, I find really interesting. I'm not sure why, like I, I would love to see like what goes on at the ESRB when they're talking about what to rate a game. Like, I don't know why I find it really interesting, but I do. Um, yeah, I think that, I think that overall, um, ratings are, if you're talking about the game, game ratings specifically, I think they're good for parents who aren't really, game players themselves i'm like i don't have kids but if i did right now like i would obviously know how to look into what a game is about and whether it's appropriate but for parents who don't play games i talked about in the article the highest normal rating that the esrb has is m for mature which is 17 and up um there's also an adults only rating which is ao but the problem is that that rating is basically like a lame duck because publishers won't take games rated ao um the main console manufacturers won't take games rated AO and they won't sell them in stores. So it's basically okay. pointless. Um, so M is the highest rating. So I think that that should kind of be retweaked. Um, but yeah, I think that, I mean, you know, take a game like super smash brothers, right? It's rated everyone 10 and up. Um, Cause there's mild violence or whatever. I mean, I think that an eight year old could probably play smash brothers and not, cause it's just like cartoon characters punching each yeah. other. It's not like it's anything violent. So I think it's a good guide, but it's not, law you know it, it, it could be improved but i think they do a pretty good job for non-gaming parents yeah i think i mean I'm looking at this the, the, the european system seems to make more sense than the north american system in what way i think some um, aspects of it are actually, with, within but, with, with the numbers basically yeah uh, you know you've got ec and e and e10 and t and we've just basically got Peggy three, Peggy seven, Peggy twelve, right. Peggy sixteen, Peggy eighteen, and I think you know you slap that on there. You've got the number straight away on the box. You know exactly the age instead yeah. of the yeah. Um, I think the other interesting thing because I, I mean, I, I was slightly familiar with Peggy, but I read more about it for this article. We don't really have so early childhood as a rating. We have EC. That's specifically for games that are like made for like preschoolers. So like it wouldn't okay. be enjoyable for like someone like us to play those games because they're meant to like teach numbers and letters and stuff but in europe you guys have peggy three and seven but peggy three doesn't mean it's for little kids it just means that it's safe for little kids so like yoshi's crafted world or like a yoshi game they're still fun for adults they're not made for like preschoolers because we don't really have i don't think the esrb really has a descriptor for like scary because I noticed that the main difference between Peggy 3 and Peggy 7 is, like, fearful elements. So a game that has any kind of, like, potentially scary thing for young children would, wouldn't be rated 3. We don't really have an equivalent of that. Like, E is just, it's for everyone, and E10 is more, like, violence or some mild language. So I thought that was interesting, like, what the different regions kind of focus on. And like I said, you got so you have twelve, which is like our teen kind of, but then you have sixteen and eighteen, whereas we only have M, which is seventeen and up. So I think that the sixteen and eighteen difference is interesting too. Like that we don't really have an equivalent for that. Okay. Yeah. That's so you, interesting. you almost have more granular levels. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking at the Peggy content descriptors here. We've got discrimination, bad language, violence, drugs, sex, gambling, 
online research That's series, not, yeah, online not, access, not really, yeah. and fear. And, you know, I'm casting my mind back. Cause you, I, obviously, I said earlier, you've been gaming a long time. I've been gaming since 1984. And, you know, there was nothing stopping me from buying a two or three pound Mastertronic game, which was basically about gambling on horses. Yeah. In, you know, 1988, 89. Um, and now, nowadays, we have all of these content descriptors, we have all of these ratings, and I have not got a gambling addiction. <laughs> Yeah, I, th so. I think that that like, I mean, it's funny, too, how like culture is changing. I don't know about in the UK, but like with like smoking here, like I remember when I was a kid, I still remember like smoking and non-smoking sections in restaurants and stuff mm -hmm. yeah. um, to where like it wasn't really it was more acceptable like in public areas, but it wasn't like totally banned. Like it's pretty much banned in public areas now. Like I'm yes. like in, in video games. Now there's a descriptor that says like depiction of smoking. Well, like that was never a, that wouldn't have been on a game case. Yeah. In the 90s, um, which I think is interesting. But yeah, I, 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 the, I think when you said about like game, like older games, like there were no ratings, it was just like a free for all. I think it's interesting because with the ESRB specifically, um, in 94, there was a, a, a hearing, uh, in the courts here about how games were getting increasingly violent, mainly because of moral combat. Um, so it was like, as games got more realistic, that's when they thought that yeah. we need a rating system. But yeah, with gambling, you're right. I mean, even primitive games could have gambling elements. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things like that. I mean, there was, um, there was a guy called Leisure Suit Larry, wasn't there? Yeah. A while ago. It was a risque collection of games. There was violent games going around there's operation wolf which you know that's quite a violent game for its time i think with mortal kombat was the first one these motion capture wasn't it i don't know if it was a first game ever but that wouldn't surprise me it was it was notable for that yeah yeah certainly yeah it was notable right. for that. so i think that's and, probably what pushed pushed that along a bit yeah and i think the other interesting thing about that too about the system in the past when set when sega and nintendo were the two big players because before there was an age rating there wasn't this idea that like some games were more appropriate for older people and younger because Sega had their own rating system, but Nintendo had just like a blanket level of like family friendly. So it was like, if your game is on our system, it needs to meet this criteria. So there wasn't like a let, you know, levels of explicit content or whatever, which is why famously Mortal Kombat on Genesis had the full violence and on Super Nintendo, it was toned down heavily. So <laughs> Yeah, I think as a European, um, and, and you know, more more influenced by the Peggy side of things, sure, sure. I would like more more control over these ratings um, in terms of um, online games and Facebook games and those kind of things. Specifically, things that say this is full of adverts or it's just another bloody jewel game. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, symbol is jewel. Yeah, right. Something I think. I think Peggy and the ES, excuse me, the ESRB have both started labeling in-game purchases. So it yeah. tells you when there's which, but that doesn't really, I mean, when I see in-game purchases, I just assume that it's full of nonsense, but I mean, that could be just a few pieces of legitimate DLC or whatever, but I agree. Yeah. They both say that the, the rating systems that they don't tell you the age level of someone who should play them, like the skill level. It's just yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. just the, the content level. So yeah. 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 A little bit facetious there, but you know, dual games, they do get my go. Um, it's, it's so easy to make them. It's just, you know, well, exactly, <laughs> it's yeah. no wonder yeah, you yeah. see them all over the place. 
Yeah, I mean there are some good dual games. Um, there is there's actually there's a Doctor Who dual game oh. called Doctor Who Legacy, which is which is more of a strategic attitude aspect of it. There's the dual portions kind of you enables weaponry to then use against aliens. Okay. Vaguely, it's it's strategic, but it's it's um it's it's more of an interesting approach to dual games than most that you come across. But um, yeah, um, I think it's good to end on dual games because I think that's probably what most technophobes will be familiar with. Sure. On their phones or on social networks, dual games. Um, so yeah, it's the really useful podcast. We're, this is our um, back for our third run. This is the first episode of the third season, and I'm Christian Colley. That's Ben Stegner. You've been listening to there, and uh, big thanks to the guys that make use of for hosting the really useful podcast, the tech podcast for technophobes. Get in touch with us with uh, any questions you might have about doing something or about anything that we've spoken about. You can leave us comments on Facebook or on Twitter or below this uh, podcast on makeuseof.com. And if you could leave us a rating on iTunes, that would be awesome as well that'd be really helpful um thanks very much we'll be back next week um continuing this one of episodes and uh look out for some more uh, special episodes where we speak about a particular topic until next time it's goodbye from us <laughs>